You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Training camp is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Day one is in the books as you're listening to this on Thursday. Day two about to get going. Uh, but a lot to dig into, Mark. And, of course, we got our top storyline, some takeaways from the first day. We're going to dig into you know, just what this kind of roster means as far as stability for the 49ers this year compared to years past in the Shanahan era. we got a lot to get into before we do so. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, It's just absolutely fantastic to have a flood of 49ers content on your Twitter feed now, even on Instagram. You see it everywhere. Everyone is talking about the San Francisco 49ers, at least in the Bay Area. Uh, and, And I am fired up. It's fantastic. It it felt like this offseason took a while, uh, but I, I'm glad we finally arrived at this point in training camp because you're right. There are so many angles to attack this team. I think quarterback takes, um, and fairly so, takes a lot of the shine, uh, but there's a, a lot of other pieces that are important that, that we'll certainly get into this episode. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing well. I, I, I'm i just so excited for football season, so I, I can't be doing much better. How are you doing today, Evan? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on at the quarterback position. Just in general, the the interaction between player and fan at training camp for those open hmm. practices, uh, just the visibility that everyone gets is so interesting to me how I know these guys have been working out all offseason. They're either, you know, the wide receivers are working out with the quarterbacks or guys are at tight end university with George Kittle. Um but the fact that it's one of their first times together as a team and everyone gets to watch to me is always fascinating because you really get to see how the team gels from the very beginning, the start of training camp, ideally into late in the season in 2023 and 2024. So um, we're off and running. And you mentioned the quarterbacks. Uh, Brock Purdy apparently is off and running and he is cleared and ready to go because just four and a half months, it seems, after his surgery, Mark, uh, he's going to be practicing. He's going to be throwing some footballs and he is well ahead of schedule and appears to be on track for week one. What that means for everyone else we'll get into. Uh, but that to me was probably the biggest and also maybe most surprising news we heard from the first couple of days. Yeah, no, 100%. It was how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch opened their pre-training camp press conference on Tuesday. Uh, basically were asked, uh, generally, is anyone going on pup? And they said, no, no one's going on pup. And then the follow-up was, wait, not even Brock Purdy, right? And they're like, no, Brock's cleared to play or at least cleared to practice. He'll be good. Uh, they did later on go on to say that uh, Kyle Shanahan did, that he expects Brock to be um, really with absolutely no limitations in a couple of weeks. As of right now, he's on somewhat of a pitch count. He's not going to practice three consecutive days, um, but that's not because of, you know, scared of his elbow injury. It's just generally – he hasn't thrown a lot this offseason. He's been beginning that the last month, month and a half or so. Uh, you don't want to overwork it when he's in the early stages of his return from that injury. So it's all fantastic news for the San Francisco 49ers um, because, you know, we had this conversation throughout the entire offseason. Uh, 
what are the first couple of weeks of the season going to look like? Because there's a very real chance that Brock Purdy might not be ready for week one in Pittsburgh. Who knows about week two? Week three uh, is, uh, you know, a short week. Who knows if that even happens? So this is fantastic news for the San Francisco 49ers, at least if you are convinced that Brock Purdy is this team's best option at quarterback. And I think most people would probably agree, given what we've seen from all of the options in their NFL careers up to this point. Uh, it, it, it's a fantastic piece of news for San Francisco. Um, but it it does ask the question about the future of that position, which we can certainly get into later. Um, but you're right. I mean, most surprising news of the day was right off the bat about Brock Purdy's health. Um, but it's, it's 100% good news in, in San Francisco. Um, I think can look forward to now more of a regular training camp because the, the thought was this was going to be really weird. Is Trey Lance going to get all the first team reps? Is Sam Donald going to get all the first team reps? Well, no, it's probably going to be Brock Purdy. He's going to be the team's starting quarterback. It makes this training camp feel a little bit more normal and, and perhaps could, could lead to, I don't know, better performance early in the season. Yeah, and I think, look, Shanahan was talking about how even though there's less reps total coming Purdy's way just because of injury, uh, at this point last year, he was getting third team reps or he was getting, uh, you know, he was behind Nate Sudfeld at that point. So the fact that he is even going to be getting those first team reps throughout training camp means that he is on a better path than where he was last season, despite the injury. So I don't expect it to take much time for Brock Purdy to, to kind of catch up, so to speak. Um, but everyone's going to be having their eyes on that elbow. And in the meantime, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold are essentially splitting those uh, from the first day. You know, it was reported Trey Lance looked, looked pretty good um, from the videos and clips that we saw that the, the new throwing motion that everyone's been high on has certainly been featured. It's tighter. It's quicker. Uh, but for Kyle Shanahan, Mark, everything was around Trey Lance's feet and just kind of the comfortability, how things had slowed down. And that was also confirmed by a few of his teammates, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, just talking about the confidence that Trey Lance was kind of practicing with, which hadn't necessarily been um, absent in prior years, but certainly looked more comfortable. And that's something you would expect. So, you know, Trey Lance, I think Debo Samuel also mentioned that some of his shorter passes felt softer, sure. uh, which has been a, an area of focus for Trey Lance in the past, being able to hit the layups before being able to take a deep shot. Um, so, you know, to me, there's not much you can take away from the first day, uh, but there are, I think, things to reference, or I should say points to kind of stick to. And so one of the things with Trey Lance, for example, has been the inconsistency in his practice. So how do you kind of stack consecutive quality days? And to me, that's what I'm going to be looking for specifically with Trey Lance, but also Sam Darnold, who didn't maybe have the best day, day one. Um, 11 on 11s, I saw a couple places. He was you know, two of four, a couple of late floating passes. Those aren't things that I... I'm going to necessarily hold against Sam Darnold or even on Trey Lance's side. If he looks good, I'm going to look for him to be better the next day and the day after that and maximize the amount of reps he gets until Brock Purdy comes back in to take those first stream, the first team reps. Yeah. And the other thing I saw from Trey Lance, uh, looking at his throwing motion, I know that this is something that everyone pays really close attention to. 
the knock on him last year was he kind of has a, a really long windup. He doesn't get the ball out super quick. If you would break it down kind of frame by frame, he would bring like the nose of the football down relatively low when you when you compare it to other quarterbacks and how they throw. Uh, it seems like what the difference is now, uh, you know, introduced probably by his personal quarterback coach, Jeff Christensen. We saw him working out with him and, and Patrick Mahomes a lot this offseason. He's keeping the ball up higher. He doesn't have as, as much of a circular motion as he's going back ready to throw. What does that mean? It's a it's a quicker release. It's a more compact motion. You should be able to get the ball off quicker. That doesn't necessarily transition or, or translate to the touch that Debo Samuel is talking about. Um, that just comes with being able to understand what kind of throw you're making and be able to put a little bit of loft under the ball and and all of that. But it seems like the the motion as well has a, a pretty dramatic shift for Trey Lance, uh, which is obviously good because what was happening last year wasn't, uh, I mean, obviously as, as good as it could have been. These are normal things for a young quarterback to go through. Um, but that's at least what I noticed from Trey Lance on the first day. But you're right. I mean, you can't really have uh, this sweeping, uh, I don't know, takeaway from day one because it's it's really basic. Kyle Shanahan even admitted to it. We weren't really doing all that much. 11s on 11s, yeah, but it was really base layer. We, we didn't go into anything in depth. And then the other thing that you have to consider when you're moving forward, specifically about Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, I guess, Again, Purdy did not practice Wednesday because he was throwing the two days leading up to it, not necessarily in organized team things, but he was throwing. Um, and he's not going to throw, at least right now, three straight days. So he was off Wednesday, which kind of gave Trey Lance, and I, I think to a lesser degree, Sam Darnold, the spotlight. But now on Thursday, on Friday, guess what? Brock Purdy is there, and he will throw, and he will take the vast majority of first-team reps so where does that leave Trey Lance moving forward? He really has to capitalize on the, the moments that he gets because this is a 49ers team now who has four quarterbacks. One of them, when he's out there, is going to get the vast majority, if not all of the first team reps. That's Brock Purdy. And then you have Trey Lance, the number three overall pick from a couple of years ago. And then you have Sam Darnold, the guy who Kyle Shanahan says is one of the most talented throwers of the football the 49ers have ever had. And then you have Brandon Allen who gets a shout out from Kyle Shanahan on Tuesday in his introductory press conference to open training camp saying, you know, this is going to be difficult to split up reps because we really like Brandon Allen and he deserves those opportunities too. So how does this look for Trey Lance moving forward on the days where Brock Purdy is there and practicing Unfortunately, it seems like the opportunities are dwindling, which might make it a little more difficult to really fully find out where Trey Lance stands, not only within the 49ers, but just how, how good is he as a quarterback? Because simply, we won't have a ton of reps to go off of. No, but I think also the evidence that I need to feel confident in Trey Lance maximizing his opportunities is the guy that's in front of him. Because if Kyle Shanahan felt confident enough in Brock Purdy, and he talked about this, I don't know if it was publicly or, or on a podcast, but uh, I mean, he's always felt like Brock Purdy in practice that he was, he was, he was his, his guy. And that translated to the game. So the fact that Brock Purdy could use last season, third team reps, 
um, going up against the defense, being the guy that's basically the, the, the table setter, essentially, for the defense, um, means to me that, that Trey Lance is in just as good of a spot as he can be. And now it's just about going out and making the most out of every opportunity. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see Brock Purdy. Um, it doesn't sound like, you know, like with, with the pitch count, it'll probably be a little bit until he's he's a full go and pads don't start until next week. But um, the fact that we're going to get to see all three of them, I think Kyle Shanahan is a man of his word, not in the sense of giving all three of them an equal opportunity because there is an established hierarchy at this point. But the way, Mark, that he kind of talks about his quarterback room is a little mysterious. Like I'm not he hasn't used the term quarterback one. Everyone wants to read into the way that he's phrased certain things about the competition. And it doesn't really feel like even he at this point knows who's going to be uh, the backup. At least that's the way that I feel like he's playing it. And he's basically waiting for somebody to prove him wrong. I feel like you're hitting on something really um, important there. I feel like this whole offseason, really this whole process between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance has been uh, a big social experiment in terms of confirmation bias. There is a a person who is a Trey Lance fan who absolutely believes in Trey Lance's abilities um, and wants to see him play. And then on the other side, you have the the Brock Purdy truther who absolutely loves Brock Purdy. What he did as a rookie, uh, incredible. One of the more impressive and, and wild feats that we've seen in the National Football League in some time. And then both of those people on either side of the aisle, they hear the exact same Kyle Shanahan quote. And they come away with two entirely different takeaways like Kyle Shanahan I I think this is what you're referencing he was on the TK show with Tim Kawakami of the athletic and he spent like a minute and 10 seconds gushing about Brock Purdy and how good he was what he put on tape it was incredible Um, and then I, I go back and I look look at the tape after the fact and it's even more impressive now what he did last year and then at the very end Evan at the very end after gushing over uh Brock Purdy for more than a minute He says, so he's going to be hard to beat out. What did the Brock Purdy fans hear? They heard this is an incredible quarterback who who was going to be the team's starter. He he did all these impressive things last year. It's even more impressive now looking back at it. And then what did the Trey Lance people hear? They heard the very last line, which was he's going to be hard to beat out, which suggests what? This is an open competition, that there's a chance that Trey Lance can beat him out. No, there there really isn't. Everything that Kyle Shanahan is saying, despite the fact that he didn't just straight up say Brock Purdy is QB1, everything else that he is saying is Brock Purdy is our guy. He was incredible. There's nothing that Trey Lance has put on tape that anywhere resembles what Brock Purdy did last year. Unless something crazy happens, if there's an injury, Brock Purdy is our starting quarterback. But in my mind, Evan, it's, it's wild how you can have the same quote play it have a couple of different people listen to it and you have two totally different reactions i think this is an example of confirmation bias people hearing what they want to hear i can't really find another way to explain it um because for the most part with with these comments at least recently it seems pretty cut and dry who the top dog is in the 49ers quarterback room in my mind there's there's no debate it's it's brock purdy 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's specific to Kyle Shanahan. Like, he kind of talks in interpretive sentences. So, <laughs> for me, look, I, that's not anything that's necessarily new. And, and I don't think it's also specific to the 49ers. People always hear what they want to hear when it comes to sports and when it comes to competition. When you're trying to beat out a guy for a job, uh, you're going to look for any sign to get a, a mental advantage or to feel like you're ahead or maybe a note that you are behind and you got to work a little bit harder. So for people who want to see Trey Lance, I understand why. And for people who believe that Brock Purdy is undoubtedly going to be quarterback one, I also understand why. So things are going to shake out. Someone's going to be mad at the end of the day because their quarterback is not going to be on the field. Uh, but at the end of the day, also, we're just looking for the 49ers to be successful. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download the Odyssey app, subscribe, uh, rate us while you're there. Also, check us out on the YouTube channel for 95.7 The Game. Subscribe and like while you're there. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. And uh, the next part of this episode, Mark, I kind of want to get into the, the stability of the 49ers right now. Because as much as we're talking about the quarterback room and whether it's open for interpretation on an open competition or closed competition or who's going to be quarterback two and quarterback three and all this stuff. Uh, it does feel like the, the, the kind of overall theme to me from not only John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's pre-training camp presser, but also day one of camp as we're getting ready for day two is everything seems to be set pretty much outside of the quarterback position and even the quarterback position right now with the news of Brock Purdy being cleared and ready to go is pretty set. So the question that we came up with was, is this the most stable that the 49ers have been in the Kyle Shanahan era? What would you say to that? Um, I would say this was what happens when you get healthy, specifically in, in the quarterback room. Um, I mean, the 49ers, everything that they're telling you is that they absolutely love their four quarterbacks. They love Brock Purdy. They're incredibly encouraged by what they've seen from Trey Lance this offseason. Again, the some of the wild comments about Sam Donald this offseason, and then specifically over the last two days, what Kyle Shanahan has said about Brandon Allen. He said again on, on Tuesday, uh, when answering a question about how difficult it might be to split up reps for the quarterbacks, he name drops Brandon Allen, who who was not you know, really involved in the question uh, and just says he, he deserves some reps. And then uh, yesterday on, on Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, on Wednesday, he was asked by Eric Branch about keeping four quarterbacks uh, and, and had a little bit of a back and forth. I want to play that for you because I think it is illuminating into how this team feels about all four of their quarterbacks. Here's Kyle Shanahan uh, from Wednesday. When Purdy is like a full go and is practicing all the time, do you still envision having four quarterbacks here? Yeah. I don't believe you've ever done that before. I know you touched on this a little bit yesterday, but is it just because Brandon, Brandon Allen you think is talented enough to stay in? Yeah, I mean, we wanted three in OTAs. Um, we had two for the first part, so we want to add it a three, and um, we've really liked him so far. So, um, you know, we don't, don't want to just get rid of guys we like. So that's Kyle Shanahan talking about Brandon Allen, but specifically about having four quarterbacks on this team. He he later would go on in an interview with Mike Silver. This is from the Chronicle to say, quote, if you have three quarterbacks good enough to make teams in the NFL, you always keep them. And then that's why what I'm happy about, because I think we've got four right now. You don't see many people keep four, but it's been done before. He would later say uh, his dad, Mike Shanahan, did it when he was with him in Washington. 
at the very end of his dad's career. And he would say, but you can't do it too long because it impacts your roster. Uh, so I think the 49ers quarterback position, while it is full of questions in terms of who is playing and who's getting these reps, I think it is quite stable because, you know, maybe this is Kyle Shanahan hyping his group up more than they deserve to be. I don't know. But the way that they're being talked about, Evan, it really makes it seem like the 49ers really, really like all of their options at quarterback. And I cannot tell you the last time the 49ers felt that way about four different guys, let alone maybe even two different guys uh, in their quarterback room. Yeah, I mean, I, look, the quarterback room is potentially less stable than other parts of the roster, but I think it's it's a pretty clear cut, um, at least the, the starting point. I think there can be some shuffling. But but to me, also, I just think you know, the stability of the roster, to me, is is something that, that jumps out because of not only how stacked it is, but of how veteran-laden the majority of those impact positions are surrounding the signal caller so you know getting a chance to see fred warner making plays on defense in on day one of training camp getting a chance to see brandon Ayuk make a fantastic leaping grab over diamador lenore just kind of like sets in my mind just how ready and stable the rest of this roster is and to me you're gonna have to go back probably to the 2018 entering 2019 season if you're looking at, okay, from the top down, quarterback, here's the positions that we have. Here's the competitors that we're looking at. But the majority of those guys were young. Now, with a few more years under their belt, with a few more deep postseason runs on their ledger, this is a team that feels, to me, Mark, like they're already ready for the regular season. Like they are already locked in. And I think even George Kittle referenced the kind of countdown to the next Super Bowl with, what, 203 days or something like that? Like, that's the kind of mindset that this roster has at this point. And to me, it starts with the top, obviously, Kyle Shanahan. He is now in his, you know, he's got seven seasons now. And you're also looking at a front office that has been stable. Sure, there have been some guys that have come and gone as far as coordinators, members of the front office that are now on to better, bigger and better. But the majority, everyone to me, Mark, kind of the, 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 the foundation of the 49ers, both in the front office and on the field, appears to be the most stable that it's been in the Kyle Shanahan era. And that's how it should be, honestly, with the fact that he's been there for quite some time. He's had a chance to build it up. He is now, it's, it appears, found his quarterback for this season and ideally ones for the future. Um, so right now, yes, absolutely. I feel like the 49ers are in their most stable place that they've been under Kyle Shanahan. And I think an example of that stability is the situation with Nick Bosa right now, which I think if it were any other NFL team or, or at least a lot of other NFL teams, you have your star player on their defensive side of the ball, perhaps your most important player on your football team, uh, and he's holding out right now. But it's not really described as that by the 49ers, even though that's officially what it is, because everyone, absolutely everyone, has full confidence that a contract is going to get done. It's only a question of when. Again, I would put like the over-under on the final day of July. Does it get done before the, the calendar flips to August? We'll find out, but it's going to happen 100%. And I think as that is a, an example of the stability, one from a, a chemistry standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, from the confidence that if you're one of our guys, we're going to pay you and, and we're going to get you taken care of. But then two, just in, in terms of, the roster and the way they've built this thing from the ground up with Nick Bosa, with Fred Warner, with George Kittle, with Debo Samuel, with Brandon Ayuk, 
getting acquisitions like Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, pairing that with your your quarterback and in Brock Purdy or, or whoever else it is. So uh, I think you can see that stability in that sense as well. Because Evan, if say say this was I don't know the the, the Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons, who's a fantastic defensive player, was awaiting his contract extension. Not to say that the Cowboys are poorly run or anything, although Niner fans wouldn't mind if I did say that. Um, but say he was holding out and, you know, he's going to be eligible for an extension coming up in a year. Um, how would that be discussed differently nationally? I know this was a national story and it was picked up. If you were watching NFL Live on ESPN or Sports Center, you saw, you know, Niners don't expect Nick Bosa to report to training camp until he gets a new deal. But really, no one is freaking out over that because of the 49ers track record. I mean, three years ago, George Kittle, August 13th, 2020, signed his new extension. That one was relatively late. I remember there being a little bit of concern over that. But the next year, Fred Warner, July 21st, 2021, signed his extension. Last year, there was so much drama early in the offseason around Debo Samuel. But guess what? He signed his extension July 31st, 2022 of last year. The 49ers track record of success in locking up their important homegrown and home-developed guys uh, is incredibly impressive. And that's why um, you don't really expect much issue with this Nick Bosa contract, despite the fact that John Lynch said it's a little more complex than some of their more recent ones in the past. Um, but I think this whole situation, how we all expect this Nick Bosa thing to play out, I think speaks to the stability you're talking about um, because you, you wouldn't quite feel this confident uh, in a team that, that hasn't proven to be as stable as the 49ers. So I think they deserve a little bit of credit for that as well. Yeah, I mean, the complications to me just surround the fact that it's going to be a record-setting deal. Like, in any time you're resetting the market, it's going to take a little bit more time, a la George Kittle, who became the highest-paid tight end in NFL history when he got his deal. Fred Warner, the same. I think up until, I forget which which linebacker um, was in the similar range. But then the one, of course, Debo Samuel is not a, a record-setting deal, but it did take some time. Um that, that that's the only concern I guess for for Nick Bosa that I have and it was made a story just because I think I think he was he's going to get fined fifty thousand dollars every single day he doesn't report so it's technically by definition a holdout which is the way that it's framed uh, but it really is because of what you're talking about which is their track record of getting their guys signed and I expect that to continue this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please download the Odyssey app. Rate us. Subscribe to us while you're there. Also, check us out on the 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to that. Uh, Mark, so you know, as far as other storylines from, from day one, to me, the non-quarterback storylines that, that have kind of uh, caught my eye, I think the biggest one is probably Debo Samuel just because of the amount of pressure that he put on himself entering camp compared to the, of course, training camp that was last season under the umbrella of that contract extension that we just talked about. So, you know, I know he was having some fun, was talking about how, you know, Kyle Shanahan and um, he he enjoys kind of the the humor and the comedy. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was talking about Debo Samuel sending him shirtless pics throughout the off season, ones that we saw on social media. Uh, but to me, yeah, I mean, I, I am going to be paying attention to what Debo Samuel does, but also says here publicly uh, just because, 
I mean, I, th- I think probably the the quote or the interview that has gone the most viral surrounding Debo Samuel this offseason uh, was the one on CBS radio, which he hung up. So we haven't had a chance, I think, to really see Debo and that personality shine just because last season it was the money. This time it was trying to get himself in shape. Um, and he's also just not you know, a super outward person. But Debo, to me, was the person that, that, that caught my eye the most outside of the quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I'm with you. This is what Debo Samuel said on Wednesday in relation to his offseason work uh, and, and just where he is physically. This offseason is pretty good for me. Um, I say this is probably like the best shape that I've been in since I since 2019 year. Um, you know, you got that long time of working out, long time of preparation. And like I took them 40 days away and really got to it and got to where I wanted to be. You feel faster? You yes, feel, sir. feel kind of faster, lighter on my feet, like easier to change direction. That's scary for opponents since 2019, not even since 2021, when he was an all pro and the most unique offensive weapon in all of football. Uh, If what he's saying is true and it translates onto the field, Debo Samuel is going to have a fantastic year once again, not saying he's going to reach 2021 levels in terms of production yards and touches and touchdowns and all of that, just simply because this is more of a log jam on offense because there's so many mouths to feed now. Um, but Debo Samuel saying he's in the best shape he's been in since 2019, Evan, that is no small thing. This is setting up to be a fantastic season for Debo Samuel. Um, I think you could say the same thing about Brandon Ayuk in that same interview. Debo Samuel said Ayuk walks into the building every day with the mindset that no one here can guard me. And that extends outside of, this building and into the rest of the league. Brandon Ayuk's confidence is absolutely soaring. Um, I, If you were to ask me, who do I think is going to have the the more impressive season? I'm not sure how I would answer that because in, in my mind, both of these guys are set up to, to have absolutely fantastic seasons. Maybe not necessarily from a pure numbers standpoint, again, because this is a run first offense and they have Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I think these two guys are are going to be much better than they were last year, including Ayuk, who had a record, uh, a career season last year. Um, I'm I'm extremely confident in those two guys in this 49ers offense, and I'm I'm just eager to see what this offense looks like when you have a humming Debo Samuel alongside Ayuk, alongside McCaffrey, alongside Kittle. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Aside from the quarterbacks. The, the talk around Debo Samuel and maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree around Brandon Ayuk have me intrigued, more intrigued than anything else around this team. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a little more wait and see than you are. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic that Debo feels great, feels like he's in the best shape he's been in since his rookie season. Uh, but also, like he, he should be. I mean, he is now one of the highest paid wide receivers in football coming off a less than ideal season. So that should be motivating enough, uh, not not just the financial part of it, the fact that you didn't play very well, you weren't on the field for as much as you'd like to be, and so I and, and again, it's it's not the same, it's not apples to apples, but in the way that we're talking about the quarterback stacking positive, successful days, I am also looking for that from Debo Samuel. If he does indeed feel lighter, if he does indeed feel like he has more change of direction, that he's more explosive than he was last season. Well, then I would like to see that in training camp repeatedly and successively if he's able to stack those kind of days. Because right now, I I don't have any doubt that Brandon Ayuk has been busting his tail all offseason because that has been his trajectory. His arc has been continuing to move 
in an, in an upward direction, whereas Debo Samuel has taken a step back. And there are a lot of expectations for Debo, I'm sure, from himself, as well as, of course, all of us looking on. So I do want to see how Debo Samuel continues to progress through training camp. Um, one day is great, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that he feels awesome, Mark. Uh, but I, I do want to see more. And I'm not necessarily going to take his word for it just because... Uh, you know, he, he he comes into camp feeling better than he did last year. He should. He should feel more focused. And so now I want to see it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You you do have to uh, see it play out on the field. Of course, it's just I, I think it's quite easy to just see the way that not only he's talking about himself, but Kyle Shanahan is everyone else around the team talking about him this offseason this training camp than last and obviously the, the big reason is because of the drama around his contract situation last year and Debo Samuel admitted it himself he didn't quote say his contract dispute he just said there was a lot of a lot of drama last offseason I, I didn't really have the opportunity to be totally locked in um, and now he does have that opportunity and, and how does it translate onto the field um, I do want to get one more thing out about the quarterback room uh, here before we, we do get to some other non-quarterback stuff here. Um, I was just thinking about Kyle Shanahan's comments about four quarterbacks and all of that. And it brought me back to, to the kind of overarching idea around this 49ers roster, this era of 49ers football. It seems like the idea that they dove headfirst into was to try to compete with a quarterback on a rookie contract so you can give out these contracts to Debo Samuel, to Nick Bosa, to Fred Warner, and all of that. So you're paying less to your quarterback. You can pay more elsewhere. They thought they accomplished that with Trey Lance, but it doesn't really seem that way. But they magically fell into an even cheaper quarterback and can continue that strategy of trying to build an extremely talented roster around a cheap young quarterback but the one problem is Evan you're still paying Trey Lance even though you're likely not going to be playing him that much Trey Lance's cap hit this year 9.3 million dollars and now you also have Sam Darnold who by himself is a relatively expensive backup quarterback his cap hit this year is over five million dollars would the 49ers with this whole plan in place of trying to build a roster full of talent around a cheap quarterback, would they be willing to pay over $14 million in cap space just this year to their quarterbacks two and three? I don't really know. And then you look at what Brandon Allen is making, who right now was slotted in as you know QB4 or whatever. He's making over a million dollars. That's on par with most QB3s across this league. So maybe the 49ers brought in Brandon Allen with the thought that he could be their QB3 moving forward. What does that mean for Sam Darnold and Trey Lance? Evan, potentially these two guys could be competing for the QB2 spot. And whoever doesn't win that battle, maybe they're on their way out of here. I don't know. It, it, I just don't think the 49ers are in a spot to feel comfortable paying $14 million to quarterbacks two and three, to two backup quarterbacks, whatever order they slot in, whatever. 
That's a lot of money that could be used elsewhere. Maybe the 49ers don't use it this season, but if you move off of Trey Lance, you save a $9.3 million cap hit this year. You can use those savings now. It can roll over into next year. Maybe it allows you to extend Brandon Ayuk while also keeping Debo Samuel. I don't know. It feels like the 49ers are in a position where if they want to keep all of their studs moving forward, they need to be creative. And you're not really being that creative if you're paying someone over $9 million to be potentially your QB3. I don't know. It's it's just the way that this thing is kind of trending. Perhaps you're not even seeing Trey Lance compete just for uh, you know QB2 or QB3. Maybe you're seeing him compete for his spot on this roster. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And and that's why, you know, I, I think it was last episode, you know, brought up the fact that Trey Lance's cap hit next season is eleven million dollars. Like it doesn't get any cheaper beyond this season. And so, you know, if if you're essentially quarterback three at that point, that's an expensive ask in no matter what, even if you have the space, if you have the budget for it, that's just a lot of money to pay to somebody who is not expected to feel so you know for for me mark i I think that's a that's a great place to to kind of end this episode and uh maybe take on to the next one what's going to happen at the backup position what's on the line what's at stake financially as well as on the field that'll do it for this episode of the 415ers podcast please download the odyssey app rate us subscribe to us there that's mark randy i'm evan giddings we'll talk to you next week we appreciate you tuning in for this episode training camp continues we'll keep all our eyes on it and we'll talk to you next week take it easy